Welcome to the Kinkle Fritz and Friends podcast. This is awesome. We've got Lisa Turkers with us. She's the president of Proverbs 31 Ministries. She's written how many books, Lisa? Gazillions. Gazillions. <laughs> well, thank you, Mike. It's not actually gazillions. I don't even know what the number gazillion means, but um, like 25, 26, something 26 like that. books. Uh, most recent was Forgiving What You Can't Forget. Oh, boy, do we need that. That's mm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. It's such an honor to be with you. And I'm excited about our time together today. Good stuff to talk about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you're going to be on tour. It's called the Encounter Tour. What's that all about? I absolutely love doing ministry via Zoom and via radio and all those exciting things. Thankful that in this pandemic, we've had that opportunity. But my favorite way to do ministry is face-to-face, heart-to-heart. And so the Encounter Tour is a time for me to get together with people. And I like to set the tone at the beginning of the night with whoever's coming to the encounter tour don't think of me as the speaker and you as the audience let's think about this in the context of getting together and having a conversation and a check-in like how are you and how am i and i've been through a lot of really challenging things in the past several years and so that's not unique to me i think a lot of us have been through a lot of challenging things so this isn't going to be like oh, there's Lisa, the polished speaker, and we're the audience, and we're just going to receive from her. This is going to be more heart-to-heart, like, hey, this has been hard, and I'm not unique in that. This has been hard on you, too. And let's talk about the real stuff, and let's have a conversation. So I think the atmosphere of the Encounter Tour is extremely personal and extremely unique. And for those people who have been reading my books and who I feel like I do life with, in the ministry realm, I think it will be a time to just get together and and really encourage one another and have a great conversation about what does it look like to want to pursue God, but get absolutely knocked down by life over and over. Mm. And I'm not unique in that. Yeah. Well, that's really good. Yeah. yeah the tour is going to be in one of our family radio cities in Warner Robins, Georgia in March. And uh, we'll put on the website where that is and everything. Just, uh, you know, you, you kind of alluded to it a little bit. You know, you've been through a lot of, you know, obviously we have mountaintop experiences and valley experiences. Just curious, uh, you know, what have you done intentionally to journey through those valleys? You know, I think there's a couple of things. Number one, I try to remember whatever I'm walking through. This is not the sum total of my whole life. This is a season. Sometimes when we go through hard seasons, we can start to feel like what we're feeling today, what we're experiencing today is going to be the rest of our life. And it's not. It's a season. And the second thing I have to remember is God is not doing this to me. He's probably in some ways doing this for me, even if I don't understand the for me yet. And maybe I won't for a very long time, but I used to get stuck in feeling so frustrated, like, why would God allow this to happen? And now I try to switch the question to this is happening now. How can I intentionally look for what God might be doing? And anything God touches turns to eventual good. And so I'm not saying this looks good or feels good, but I know when it passes through God's hands and it always passes through God's hands that anything he touches eventually 
can be used for good. And so that's a better way for me to manage my emotions around that. And the third thing I'll say I have to work really hard at, and we will talk about is how do I process human relationships that some of them are for a season and some of them are for a lifetime? And how do I be a kind Christian woman and at the same time draw boundaries that are absolutely necessary in relationships that need to have boundaries. So we're going to talk about all of that. Your thought, a depleted girl can quickly become a defeated girl when she lets emotions dictate her reactions spoke to me because um, I think Kank and Sally will confirm a sort of live by my emotional reaction. I think it's one of my pitfalls for sure in life. So I was wondering how you've been able to, to find victory over those, you know, immediate emotional reactions that you experience. I used to make the mistake of saying, don't feel angry or don't feel frustrated. And I would try to give myself these little pep talks like, you're not sad. You're happy because that's what it means to be a Christian woman is to find joy in it all. And so now I've realized like God made us with emotions. Our emotions are great indicators of what needs to be addressed in our life. They just shouldn't be dictators of how we act and react with other people. And so I say, feel the emotion, let the emotion inform you what's going on and be honest. You know, sometimes the emotions are the ways that we see red flags that we really need to pay attention to. And one of my downfalls, and I'm working on it in therapy, thank you very much, <laughs> is, is sometimes a red flag has to be like burning to the ground, like in ashes before I tilt my head and go, huh, that flag was kind of red, actually, you know? <laughs> and sometimes it's because I hyper-spiritualize my emotions when what I really need to do is feel the emotion and get the indication of what the emotion is trying to tell me, but just not be dictated by the emotion in my reactions. You also mentioned that you've wrestled with healing. I mean, I, I think anybody that's honest with themselves, healing is not easy. It's hard work, but we all need to experience at some points or another. So just kind of wondering what you've been able to learn as you journey through that. Healing is complicated and it takes time. And I think we need to be very patient with ourselves. And mm -hmm. I think we need to understand God is patient with our healing. There's two parts to healing. We have to deal with the facts of what happened, but the much longer process is going to be dealing with the impact of what impact did this have on me? And I think we serve a very grace-filled God who will challenge us and comfort us all in the same line of, of where we're trying to move in healing. Here's how I know that I am healing. When I talk about things that have happened to me, am I more consumed with retelling all the things that happened and almost proving that I was hurt so much? Or am I more concerned with simply stating the fact of what happened and getting to the transferable wisdom that I gained in the midst of that? And I think I know I'm really starting to heal when I'm more eager to talk about the transferable wisdom than I am regurgitating the facts of how I was hurt. Obviously, there's a middle ground there. And that's where I talk about the fact and the impact. We've got to be honest with that. We've got to deal with it. For me, I had to meet with a counselor, a great Christian counselor to help me work through the process of it. But as I have moved through the process of healing. I know I'm getting there when I am more eager to talk about 
the transferable wisdom. Well, when you're hurting, I don't even think you're thinking about what am I learning through this? (laughs) You're just like, this stinks, Mm -hmm. you know? That's interesting Mm -hmm. to reprogram your brain to go, okay, what's the good here? (laughs) That is hard to do. Hank, I love how you phrase that because I think it's also training your brain not to get stuck in the hurt and the pain and all that seems unfair. Like we can acknowledge that. We can work through it. We can do work around it. I think that's all so, so, so important. And at some point, then we can make the decision. Like I suffered long enough because of what someone else did to me. Mm-hmm. Now I get to make the choice to move forward. And when I move forward, I'm going to take from this lessons that will help me live a better life in the future, whatever that may be. Maybe it's that I'll never act like that person acted. There's nothing like big doses of our own humility when we think to ourselves like, but for the grace of God, I could have done the same thing. And seeing someone else do that to me will help me never repeat that mistake. But also recognizing that sometimes there's just evil in this world. And when evil gets done to us, it makes us more sensitive to be compassionate to other people who have also suffered at the hands of evil. And so that we can put a stake in the ground and say, I've suffered long enough because of what's happened to me. Now I'm going to move forward and use this somehow to teach me life lessons, to make me a better person and to show me what kind of relationship issues I don't want to see repeated in the future. Yeah, that's really good. And I think about the whole emotional, spiritual side to healing. But I read recently in a very recent blog of yours, something that I related to very well. It's about healthy eating. You were talking in the blog about how your daughter made some cinnamon rolls and you enjoyed a couple of them. Oh, stop it. This sounds good. Mm. Hey, amen. Get up the next day and think, okay, Lord, make that scale be two pounds lighter. (laughs) It hasn't ever happened for me. And I just... I thought, thank you, thank you, thank you for that transparency and writing that. So talking about healthy eating and goals and healthy eating habits and um, what are you learning in that struggle? And uh, because I need to know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for asking. Um, Yeah, today it was not cinnamon rolls. Today, some of my staff ordered chips and queso. Why do they do that? Okay, (laughs) that's my love language. (laughs) (laughs) That's your love language. (laughs) (laughs) I'm from Texas. It is. Yeah, right. That's that's true. That's a Texas thing. And hey, there's nothing wrong with chips and queso, except if you've already made the commitment to eat the grilled veggies and grilled chicken. Yeah. And so, you know, (laughs) one thing that I have really been working on this year is not attaching food to my source of happiness at every event. Mm -hmm. In other words, I think about, oh, I can't wait to go to the movies because I know I'm going to get popcorn and M&Ms or, oh, I can't wait to go to the ballpark where I'm going to get a hot dog or, oh, I can't wait to go out with my girlfriends and get chips and queso. You know what I'm saying? And so, so many times, like some of the happy points of life, instead of enjoying the people and enjoying the activities and all of that, I am guilty sometimes of attaching the happiest parts to events, to the food that will be there. 
And so I'm really working on making sure that I remember food is not the ultimate source of happiness. Food is a resource to keep my body going and to keep my body healthy. But um, it's the people and it's the purpose and it's the activities that we're doing that really should be the ultimate source of my happiness. Not that food can't be happy. Food can be happy. But really, we should consume food. We should not have food consuming us and our thoughts. Yes, that is very good. I think I totally relate to that whole idea of relating food to activities and relationships and and family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even my memories. You know, I think back to like really great memories. And the first thing that my mm-hmm. mind will go to is all oh, that time that my grandma made me that that birthday cake and Ooh. we had leftovers <laughs> for three days. And it's not the, the fact that my family was together. It's the fact that I had to eat cake. And that's really <laughs> sad. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, that's such a good example. So, you know what I would do in that kind of situation? I would say, okay, instead of parking my mind on the cake, I'm going to park my mind on my grandma's act of love. Oh, that's good. I do like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good way to frame it. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's great. You know, I saw one of your quotes that also resounded with me having to do with another thing that I really need to deal with, which is grab some grace and keep going. How have you applied that in your life? Well, I'm a rule follower. So when I think about doing life correctly, I think about following the rules. And I think that's a good quality until it becomes such a dictating quality that I become absolutely consumed with knowing the rules at all times and following the rules more than I follow God. And Mm. so one thing that I feel like God is challenging me is he wired me to be a rule keeper and I am wired to want to do the right thing. Mm. And inevitably I'm also human. So I'm going to do the wrong thing. And when I do the wrong thing, instead of condemning myself and beating myself up and getting stuck there, just thinking, well, now the rest of my day is shot because of this, I grab some grace and I remember God's grace is his gift to me. I receive whatever lesson or correction I'm supposed to receive, but I'm not going to let it keep me stuck there. And I'm not going to redefine my whole day by this one mistake. I'm going to grab some grace and keep on going. So powerful because for me, again, as a rule follower, wanting things to to work all out, you know, it's, it's the things I rehearse as I'm falling asleep at night that I'm like, no, stop that. Accept the grace that is given to you and even allow the mistakes to be ministry. (laughs) (laughs) and opportunities to show that we don't all have to be perfect. Now, Lisa, I am married to a rule follower. (laughs) And Becky, I've noticed this. Mm -hmm. And Misty, you're a little this way, too. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the party, Misty. (laughs) Here we go. That when you have that as a part of your personality, it can be hard to get over when you've been done wrong, because there's a mm-hmm. sense of justice involved there. <laughs> how do you deal with that? And how do I deal with her? <laughs> and me in the morning, apparently. Exactly. <laughs> 4.30 in the morning. Let's just I, talk. I feel like we're trying to have confession time. With Kate right now. <laughs> <laughs> what he really wants to know is... <laughs> um, 
you know, I relate to that so much because I want there to be a right and a wrong in every situation. And I want the right to be celebrated and the wrong to be addressed. And I want it to be all done immediately. And where I get really frustrated is sometimes God lets time unfold and it appears as if things that were wrong have gone unaddressed or mm. even possibly even unseen by God. And so a couple of years ago, I was asked this question actually at an encounter tour. And I remember the answer that came out of my mouth. I preach this to myself often now. And I really feel like the Lord just said, this is it. Remember this. And it's that we don't serve a do nothing God. God is always doing something. And even if we can't see it, or if what we see seems confusing, what we know is that God has never in the history of the world ever been in a position where he's doing nothing. Even in times where we don't hear him, he's still doing something. And that something is working toward eventual good. We serve a God of grace, but we also serve a God of justice. Mm. And God says that he will address the things that need to be addressed. It just may not be in our way, in our timing, or in ways that we can see. You know, I've really struggled with some really hurtful things that have been done to me in the past couple of years. And I've made the mistake before of looking externally and thinking that person completely got away with this. Mm. But what I know to be true is sin always comes as a package deal. And it always has consequences as part of its package. I don't have to see that someone's facing the consequences of their choices, but I know sin always comes as a package deal with consequences. And when that person sinned against me, they unleash those consequences. And I may never see them facing those consequences, but I can trust that God is using consequences to address those actions. So Misty, yeah. God's getting them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, David did pray, smite my enemies. Exactly. <laughs> Smote. See, smoke. Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. I needed to I, hear that. I just, sometimes I wonder if maybe my definition of smite my enemies yeah. is different than God's Exactly. <laughs> smite them a little harder. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> Now, you're always working on a new book. What uh, what are you working on right now? Okay, I'm not exactly sure if I'm allowed to tell you, Kate, but since we're friends, uh, Sally and Misty, do you think I should tell him? Should I answer his question and risk well, it? Well, you can tell us mm -hmm. and trust us with it. Earmuffs. Do you want me Air to muffs. leave here? <laughs> He's pretty trustworthy. Um, okay. I'm dropping the exclusive right here. Um, the title of the new project I'm working on is Good Boundaries and Goodbyes, Loving Others Around You Without Losing the Best of Who You Are. That wow. sounds great. Yeah. And the big question that started me on this whole journey of trying to figure out, you know, I, I write about what I struggle with. Okay, mm -hmm. so that's very obvious in all the titles of my books. If you want to know the issues of Lisa Turkhurst, just look just at the read books. Your books. <laughs> there you'll see. It's, it's right all there. laid out. <laughs> but my big question around boundaries was really trying to understand our boundaries biblical. Like, what does it look like to be a godly woman and to be in not just a difficult relationship, but a destructive relationship? And does God give us instructions 
and examples of how to do boundaries appropriately. Is it Christian? Is it kind? Is it appropriate? How do you draw boundaries? Who do you put the boundary on? Do you put it on them? Do you put it on you? You know, and so I answer all of those questions in this book. And what I discovered in many, many hours of theological and psychological research is that boundaries are not just a good idea. They're actually a God idea. God mm. established even the creation of the world with appropriate boundaries. And so I think people are going to find a lot of freedom in this book and also a lot of application of what to do in those relationships where you feel stuck and you say, I just can't take it anymore. How do you turn good relationships around? And how and when does God give us permission to simply let some relationships go because they're not just difficult, but they're actually destructive? You know, uh, there's a note on your website where you write that you love doing life with friends like you. What does that mean? I mean, speaking to your audience, what is and how does friendship mean and fit into your life? Well, Sally, for years, I've done ministry where I've gone out and been in a lot of crowds. And I, when I look at the life of Jesus, I see Jesus doing ministry to crowds sometimes, but it wasn't all the time. And sometimes Jesus ministered to the individual and I intentionally seek out times where I do for one what I wish I could do for all. And I do some individual ministry and I love it. But when I look at the life of Jesus, I also see that Jesus sat at tables and broke bread with broken hearts and did small community-driven types of ministry where you gather together. And so I have intentionally built a place here at my house where I can sit at tables with people and then literally invite my readers over and the people that I do ministry with, I can do a slice of life with. And it may not be that we live next door together, but I can invite them over and make this a more pure way to do ministry that it's not Lisa the speaker and Lisa the author and Lisa the one who's always teaching, but Lisa the one who wants to sit and share heart to heart and acknowledge I have as much to learn from the friends that are gathered together. I learn as much from them as they do from me. And I feel mm -hmm. like that feels so authentic and so pure. And it just keeps my heart in a place of doing what I love the most in ministry, and that is loving God and loving other people. Cool. We're coming over tomorrow. We can't just make sure you bring your wife because we, we're going to bust on your confession. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I know you guys will. It's Absolutely. about time somebody does. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Absolutely. Lisa, thank you so much for spending time with us. Mm. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. It's such a joy. And thank you guys for reminding people about the Encounter Tour. And hopefully I'll see you when I'm in a city near you. Thanks for listening to the Kinkle Fritz and Friends podcast. We would appreciate it so much if you could rate, review, and subscribe wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. You can also find more exclusive content at myflr.org and FLR Mornings on both Facebook and Instagram. And if you support Family Life Radio, thank you.